podcast world, we're back at you. This life ain't for everybody. Another episode, another discussion, another topic that we know that you're going to like. This is going to be part two of our discussion with Matt Pandola from Pandola Training, the Pandola Project podcast. He was here a couple days ago and now he is back and we are going to take this discussion a step further and I think we're going to touch on some mental aptitude, mental strength, mental conditioning, mental approach. Before we even get into your body and your physical part, I think we're going to talk about your brain a little bit and how that reflects and what a strong mind does for the body for our everyday well-being. It is so important to me to understand how important a strong mind is and it's easy to think that we are positive we're optimistic we're think forward kind of people or are we sad are we pessimistic are we negative are we always looking to be a victim or looking for somebody to feel sorry or there's so much that goes in to the way people think and the way that it affects our everyday being i'm very interested in this subject matter i know matt is an authority on it he studies on it every day he blogs on it he writes on it he reads up on it. So I'm looking forward to getting that into that discussion and then taking a step further and figuring out how that mind um, creates a better physical being for us and our approach to whether it's business or life or relationships or working out, fitness, dieting, nutrition, whatever you might want to call it, whatever you have going on, it all goes together. That's why we're discussing it. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Nutrient Foods and Drink. Drink Nutrient on Instagram at Drink Nutrient, N-U-T-R-I-E-N-T. The Brain Shake, all different flavors. Their their granola bars, their healthy cookies, their coffee. Matt drinks it. I drink it. It's awesome. Look them up. N-U-T. R-I-E-N-T. They're located right here in Northern Nevada. And boy, do they have some awesome recipes. Matt, you love nutrient stuff? Yeah, Chad, honestly, I do actually take nutrient myself. So it's funny because I didn't even realize that you were using that same brain shake. I love it. What do you think about brain shake, Chad? I drink it. I mean, I believe in it. I use it. I like to mix it with the coffee. They've taught us some pretty, pretty cool recipes. I don't know. I think that, uh, you know, going into what we're going to discuss today, it's fitting because how do supplements and how do you know the marketing plans of these companies relate to what you're going to discuss today and this mental part of it are you is it proven do you just go and buy stuff off the counter or off the shelf because of great marketing and the wool's being pulled over our eyes i feel that nutrients onto great recipes here I love um, the process that they make them with, they cook them with, they're baking, they're all of the different things that are going into their their drinks and their mixes. I think that it works. I feel better. I feel revived. I feel more focused. But again, it's something that is that an overall scenario of my mental approach every day. I, there's a lot to be said about supplements and are, are you feeling better because you're on them? Are you thinking more clearly because you're on them because you have a positive, you know, a positive attitude for that day or for that month or for that six months while you're really giving it. And then once it becomes, you know, a little bit old or you're not really feeling anymore, you're not seeing the results that you want, or you might have a bad day or something might happen in life to where you get down and you face depression or loneliness 
loneliness or sadness, then do those supplements really still have the same effect on your body that they do when you're all fired up and you're losing weight and you're looking in the mirror and seeing results and you're focused, you feel more focused and you you might have some positive things happening to you in a relationship or in a business deal. I don't know. Is it all relative? Does this stuff really work? I feel that it does because there's a lot of things going right in my life personally and professionally right now. I'm not saying that that's 100% because of nutrient but I think that it plays a role in it. And if I feel better and I look better and I'm performing better, then I think that all of that stuff combined is helping, you know, the nutrient, my mental approach, my working out with you, the training, the, the overall, you know, waking up early and going to bed at the right time, getting the ample amount of sleep and, 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 and feeling better about yourself. Like you're achieving those short-term goals. It, it's all goes together. I'm not trying to say, Oh yeah, I'm kicking ass in life because I drink this brain shake. I think that that would be ignorant, but I do think that it plays a role and with their science and research behind their product. Yeah. I think that it, it could have potential to work on some people. And I think that it deserves a chance to see if you do get your own results out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that if something works for you and you believe it works, it's interesting is one of the uh, parents was asking me about, his athlete and saying, do you think this actually works or is it just a placebo? And I said, well, if he believes it works and there's no harm to taking this particular supplement they were talking about, I don't see why not. Because if it works, then is it even a placebo anymore, right? I, I don't know. You could, you could um, compare different notes and look at your overall energy level and see how you feel over a six-week period, not just one day or six days even. You know, I think you've got to track for a while to really have a set point and to see the comparison when you do start taking something like that into your system that's new. And, um, you know, with good notes, you can understand a little bit more about how you feel overall energy system feels better and your rating is better overall in that six week period, you might have something there, or you might decide that it's really not worth the money. You don't feel a big difference. So, you know, to me, that's all about taking some notes and just paying attention, not just going off of what other people are telling you to feel or what the advertisement says you should feel. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I, that I wanted to kick off this discussion about mental aptitude and mental approach is is part of and I and I don't want to get ahead of anything but I do want you to touch today on one of the things that I personally struggle with which is a lot of you know my interest comes in, and a lot of my discussion comes with some of the things that affect me personally because I often wonder do does somebody like you to somebody like Aaron, who's in tremendous shape, to somebody that is just getting into fitness or training for the, you know, for the first time in a long time, do they think like this? And, and when you start talking about supplements and nutrition and weight loss and working out, I go into it with a mind of like, I'm going to kick ass in the gym. And then when I get alone and I look at my body in a mirror and in, in, in that vanity starts to come out, I'm like, okay, I have to lose fat in my chest. I've had chest operations. I have a very, I have, I'm strong in the pectoral area and deltoids and, 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 and everything that, you know, in a press that a chest or push-ups and stuff like that. I feel strong and I feel like I have a very good structure in my upper chest, right? In my upper pack. And I feel like it's starting to come in, but I still battle with having fat or man tits in that area 
and I see like weight being lost in my obliques and it really starting to firm up and my waist going down. I was looking in the mirror yesterday and I, I, people are probably going, well, look at him just looking in the mirror all the time. But that's part of working out. Like when I'm in the gym yesterday, I'm looking at my quads and my legs and how they're starting to get a lot better structure. But then I look at my chest and I get like, like almost to the point where I'm like, fucking, I ain't going to work out anymore. It's not working. Just when you gain weight, do you gain it in certain spots? Women, you hear women gain in their hips or in their ass or in their thighs. Men would gain it in their belly or in their love handles. Is it the same with losing weight? And is it a mental thing to where you have to stay the course? Because once you start to start losing weight, yeah, it's going to come off a little here and a little there. But I'm like, man, I'm not seeing any results in my chest. And that's a big deal to me because I do have that scar and I had that surgery. So it makes it worse than it is, but it messes with my mental approach to working out because I'm like, man, I got to do more push-ups. I got to do more press. I got to do this. You know what I'm saying? Does that, does that, you ever hear that kind of discussion? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's great you're bringing up I appreciate your transparency. I think a lot of times we tend to see people in your position where everybody assumes that things are easy for you or that uh, you have your trainer, which is me, and and that means you have no worries or no issues. And uh, we just figure everything out. We're able to spot reduce, for example, the fat in your chest because we do some specific exercises and then you don't worry about it, right? And that's just not how it really works. So you got chesticles, you don't like it, you want to lose some fat there. Where you gain it first, you're going to lose it last, right? That's a general rule that you... Well, that sucks. Right? (laughs) (laughs) And there's no such thing as spot reduction. So as you're losing body fat, you are losing weight in your chest as well, or fat in your chest as well. It's just that you're noticing it a little bit more in your gut. Now, the opposite problem is true for a lot of guys where they're going to see more weight or fat in their gut or in the sides, their love handles, right? Or even in um, their lower back. And that's the last place they're going to lose it. So they're just looking at that, even though overall their body is making progress and you're making changes. You just have to be patient with that progress. And I do think that that's part of the conversation today about what are we focusing on? Because what you focus on is generally what you're going to feel, right? So how you feel about things, how you see yourself, these are all in part, we have to take action on these things. But this is oftentimes part of the problem is that we have the motivation to get into the gym, we decide that we're going to get in shape, but we don't have necessarily the right ideas, or an understanding about the process. And because of that, we can give up on ourselves because we think, oh, I've been doing I've been doing chest and I've been focusing on getting toned in my chest and it's not working the way I thought it was. So I'm going to quit or I don't have the motivation to keep going. But in reality, you've been making progress. It's just that you have to understand what that really means. In reality, it's going to take time because you can't spot reduce. And once you understand that and you have that education, you have that understanding behind your why, then you're probably more likely to stick with it longer, knowing that you are making progress and not feeling defeated. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. I just often wonder like how without the ability to spot reduce, except through lipo and you hear about guys that go in and their mental approach or their mental aptitude or their mental stability gets so convoluted 
that they'll actually take that step of going in and having fat sucked out of their tits or their ass or their love handles or whatever, which I, I've never considered myself somebody that would ever get some form of plastic surgery. I mean, if I was in an accident and it, you know, I had to get reconstructive face surgery or something, obviously, but I've always had it like, if I can't work for it, I don't need it. But then you hear of rumors of, did the rock get lipo on his tits? Because he comes from a, a bloodline that is probably, they're big men. And Samoans and Tongans and those kind of people, they have the ability to hold on to a lot of body weight. And there a lot of them were bigger people. I've been, I've been around a lot of them. So you hear that about the rock and you're like, well, if he did it, is it okay for somebody like me? Or is that just a rumor? Um, do men really go that far? Because is it, the, it's gotta be mental. I know you look at yourself and you're like, man, I could look better in that area, but you could, you could, you know, take your time and be more patient and start seeing even more results. But it's almost like the mental capacity comes in and you're like, man, I'm never going to get there. I look terrible. I'm embarrassed. I don't like to have my shirt off on a boat. I have a scar there already from a major chest surgery back when I was in high school. Um, it bugs me. It bugs my the aesthetics. Looking at it, it's always bugged me. Just like going bald. People are like, you wear a hat everywhere, even in church. Even when you're on a date with a girl, you're wearing a hat. And I'm like, I know because I'm very embarrassed to be bald. And everybody's like, you got a great head. You got a perfect head to be bald. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. I hate being bald. And now that now I've been bald for 20 years and it still bugs me. And I'm sitting here going... I do have confidence at the beach. I have my shirt off. I feel, I, I feel like I've been working hard enough and I deserve that. I've earned that right to do it. Even though you don't need to earn a right to take your shirt off. I'm not saying that, but me for years, I was embarrassed of the way my chest looked. And now I look at it and it's still the most effed up looking part of my body. So, so let me, I just want to say something here again, as people are listening they may not know what your chest looks like, even if they look up your website. I'm sure they've seen your show, but you're not you're you're not bare chested in your show. If if people were to see you, I don't know that they'd even agree. And I just want to say that because I personally don't agree with that. I think that you have um, good aesthetics there, but it doesn't matter what I think. It just matters what you think and how you feel about yourself. But that's another topic that I think is great to discuss right now how we see ourselves, I think we set ourselves up for failure a lot of times because we want to look like the rock and that's just not going to be in the cards. We don't have the genetic ceiling for that. And I, I believe, now I don't like to talk about things that I'm not absolutely certain on uh, as fact. So this is not fact right now, but I believe I did hear in a podcast that The Rock, he said he had gotten surgery. So I think that's true. And um, of course, if you think The Rock is natural versus, you know, it, it, listen, me personally, this is just what my personal opinion. I don't, I don't think it's possible he's natural. And I think that's a, a strong possibility that he had gyno, but it, it, you know, maybe I'm completely wrong on that. Uh, but I think that just in that example, we don't have to focus on just one person, but just influencers out there, period. You have to remember that the majority of those influencers you're looking at, it's not natural either. And that's not to say that they don't do a lot of hard work. I would challenge anybody to try to keep up with The Rock's workout routine. And I have so much respect above and beyond. So do I. Right. But it doesn't. But we have to put it into perspective and we have to keep in mind that 
Well, let's, I would say this, if I got onto gear, okay, so that's, you know, whatever, testosterone replacement therapy is really big with somebody my age. Now, I don't take anything, but that's a big thing right now, especially men over 40, right? And I don't judge you if you do, but the fact is that my my ceiling, my, my potential to grow muscle is not as good as some others and certainly not like the rock. Or I grew up with Sylvester Stallone being somebody, I just, the Rocky, I wanted to look, or I wanted to look just like him really. I wanted to be able to do those things that he did in his movies, but that wasn't in my genetic cards as much. And I'm going to hit a ceiling. Now, whether or not I take gear or take all these supplements that you, you think these people are on, it's even if you work just as hard as them, you're not going to look like them. There's only one rock and it took a lot of, a, a lot of, um, good genetics and a lot more hard training for a lot of years to look like that. I could have two of those three things, which I feel like I do. I think I've worked very hard for a lot of years consistently, but I don't have those same type of genetics that he does for that. What I do have is great genetics for endurance and for strength endurance. And so I had to learn to accept that about myself. And the more I accepted that about myself, the the more I liked myself, if that makes sense. And so I think that some of this is just understanding that what you have been born with, you're blessed with, and just reach the best version of you you can with those genetics. The rest of it is just hard work and consistency and dedication and understand that that process is the real success, not you know how your chest looks, but I understand that we all want to look good. When we look good, we feel good. But I'm here to tell you, you're, you have good aesthetics, and part of it, I think, is just how you are seeing yourself versus how others are seeing you, because I yeah, can tell you... Yeah, and that's the mental don't. part of it. Like, you can, can you imagine, though, how much... How, how bad that is then if I'm sitting here beating myself up when nobody else is, that's the mental approach in life that can really get to you. And then if you refer to somebody like the rock and let's just say that you did hear that on a podcast and he did get lipo or whatever it is, rock is in a lot of movies. He's, he's in Jumanji. He's in, you know, the, the fast and the furious. He, he's an action hero per se, but he's also in a lot of movies that, that are comedies. He works with Kevin Hart a lot. He does a lot of things to where I don't know if he needs to be the biggest guy in the room. I know that he labels himself the hardest worker in the room, which he is. He, he has a great message. He's a great, I hate using the word ambassador and influencer, but he's just got a great voice for people to be motivated in life. Um, he's come from a background of college football, played in the Canada for a little bit, never went to the NFL, had a great wrestling career with Vince McMahon. His dad was a professional wrestler. He had ties to that. He had, you know, he had, um, you know, different family history in that, in that area. By the way, look at his dad. Yeah. Look at his dad. And he, and the rock does not look today. Like he did when he first even started in his first movie. His right. first movies were kind of that Patrick Swayze Roadhouse. Somebody's messing with small town America. I'm going to go in with my two by four, look like Hacksaw Jim Duggan and beat the shit out of these guys in this casino because they're selling meth and, 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 con- and, and you know, they're polluting the, our local community that I've been away for for so long in the military. Now I come back, I'm going to save it kind of deal. He didn't look like he did but now. So my point is, is does he really need, he's a spokesman for Under Armour. He has the number one selling line of athletic gear and shoes and Under Armour. Does he really need to 
look the way he does? I don't know. He's got to show that he works out. The Iron Paradise, that whole approach, he shows it a lot in his social media. I love that. But what I'm saying is, what is his mental aptitude to go that far, to take that step? Does he need to be have the perfect body to be in Jumanji? No. Does he need to have the perfect body to be a wrestler? No, a lot of them don't. And he did neither when he was wrestling. There's no such thing as the perfect body. I get it. But if he's in these movies and he's making $25 million a movie, plus, you know, pieces in the back end, he's becoming a billionaire. He's the number one person in Hollywood probably right now. That just shows you that that mental approach or that mental capacity or that, that, that feeling that we just talked about, like, man, I'm hard on myself. I don't feel good. I don't look good in that area. If he did it, then that shows you that it messes with the biggest, strongest people in the world that are making a ton of money, that have a ton of notoriety, a ton of pressure. I know what the pressures, I don't know personally, but you can imagine what the pressures are on a guy like that to perform every day. So think about it. If a guy like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, is is able to take that next step of having fat sucked out of his man tits, if he did, I don't know that for sure. I love The Rock. But if he did, and some guys do, that mental is, that's all mental. You're not getting things in your life. You're not going to go get the fat sucked out of your tits. And I'm not going to wake up to the next day and go, man, Chippendales just called me. I just got a great deal from Chippendales. I'm a multimillionaire now. I'm going to get to be, I went from Chris Farley and the Chippendales Saturday night deal to now Patrick Swayze. It doesn't work like that. It's all mental and how you view yourself. Nobody's going to come to me and go, you're a fat ass. And I'm going to go, oh yeah, you're right. I am. I won't believe that. But if I look in the mirror and go, man, you got fat in your tits. That's what beats me up. That's what's going to make me go to that next step of saying, all right, doc, put the needle in there and suck it out. Get the hose in there. That's a weird feeling that you would go that far based on the way you view yourself. That's what mental approach is to me is I'm my number one critic and I beat the shit out of myself daily and nightly on the way I look, the way I feel. Yeah. So with The Rock, for example, I think, you know, of course, he's got his personal chef, right? He's got a whole team around him. He has a traveling gym wherever he goes. And these are all this part of a lifestyle that he has created because of hard work, too. And so he's part of his brand, though, is having that kind of fitness is for him. That's very relative, I think, to his career. So, no, does he have to have I, I don't know what uh, how big his arms are, but they're they're obviously they got to be what twenty five inches, twenty five. They're, they're yeah, so they're just big big arms, right? But that is a part of his image, part of his branding. Even in a movie like Jumanji, he's going to still show that kind of fitness. But <clears throat> really, I think that what it boils down to is again, we can take that scenario of uh, somebody like him who maybe had gotten some lipo done or some surgery done. Now again. I don't know if he did, but the reason why he doesn't look awkward afterwards, it doesn't look fake or it it looks good afterwards is because he has the habits to back up what he's doing. And that's not a problem for him. That's not an issue. Whereas I've seen people, in other words, who have gotten lipo and then, you know, really within a fairly short amount of time, that fat ends up looking kind of awkward or weird on their body elsewhere because they didn't change their habits. They didn't change what created the additional fat in the first place on their bodies. So in other words, they don't really have their nutrition down. 
they didn't change that fact. They keep eating the same way. So yeah, they've removed fat cells from this person's chest, but now the fat cells in their stomach are still there and they're going to expand more and you're going to end up getting potentially, um, let's say more love handles on, uh, on your sides. And so now you worry about that. So now you've got to get lipo there, I guess. Right. And it's just a vicious cycle instead of what just learning how to have better habits, helpful habits, instead of hurtful habits and putting your nutrition as a priority, instead of going to the doctor and getting that quick fix, which really long term, I'm sorry, but people who are doing that long term, I think that they end up paying the price one way or another, it comes back. Do you think that, and I want to get on with your list in a second, but do you think uh, something as small as a cheat meal could affect somebody mentally to where I work really hard all week to stay pretty disciplined on my diet. And then Saturday comes and I might have two tacos on Saturday night with a tortilla with refried beans and some cheese in it. And then I'm just like, man, I just defeated every freaking thing that I did all week. I had some whiskeys. I had a glass of wine. I had some tacos. We watched the UFC fights. I had fun. There's a great balance there. I'm not going to give up all of this. I'm working really hard on this so I can do more of this without getting more love handles or more fat in my man tits or whatever the case might be. But there's still that mental part of me that goes, I wonder if I, I, I wonder if I should even have a cheat meal. Can I get disciplined enough not to even enjoy this? And I, I beat myself up over that. And I'm wondering if somebody, again, like The Rock, who is always showing his cheat meals, whether it's 15 cookies or uh, a more sushi than one human being could eat in three meals, he shows this picture of this food that he's getting ready to enjoy, which he just, he feels he deserves and he's earned. It's not really a cheat meal. I guess it's an earned meal or whatever. But I, I almost beat myself up over that little part of my week when I don't stick to what I'm working towards. And then I look at my man tits and I'm like, that's why. Because you freaking can't stay disciplined on Saturday night. You, you, you're, you're effing everything up by not being able to stay disciplined. That's another mental breakdown of mine to where I'm like, son of a bitch, I failed again. And every time you use that word failure, it does me personally, like push me harder to get back in there. But I feel like I'm always just playing catch up. Like my buddy, Andy Griggs says, the wheel just keeps on turning and the spokes just keep going around. And you're always trying to figure out which one are you going to try to get on and take that ride. And I'm like, I can't keep up with the wheel. I want to have a good time on Saturday. I want to have sushi once in a while. I want to enjoy a whiskey with my friends at duck camp or like you talk about you and I talk about biscuits and gravy in Arkansas, it, but I beat myself up mentally over it. I get so down about it. It kicks my ass. Okay. So I, I love this. And I think the, the thing is you bring up a lot of things that I feel like a lot of us are feeling, but we're not saying. So I, I love that you're transparent about this, but okay. So you feel like you're failing. And of course I say, fail forward, get back in, do the work. And, but let's, let's take a step back and first of all, say, why is it a cheat meal? If it's in your plan, then you're not cheating, right? So first of all, decide what you want, because Right now, I would say, first of all, the body fat conversation, okay? A lot of people are looking at somebody like myself, which, what would you say my body fat is right now, Chad? Just guesstimate. Nine. Nine, okay. So uh, way off. I'm actually probably 12%, 13%, maybe 14%, somewhere in that range right now. But I get down to about 9% when I am racing, competing. So that's kind of my lowest. And the reason why I bring that up is because a lot of people are off on where their body fat is in the first place. 
and it what it really it takes. Be. Right. Because it, because when people, when I'm at 9%, by the way, everyone thinks I'm at 5%. Let me tell you something. When you're at 3%, you're about ready to die. It's really unhealthy. The, the most ripped, shredded, razor sharp bodybuilders in the world that are like their conditioning is just, you know, the best that'll ever be on stage for that one day, they might be somewhere uh, around 4%, maybe a little bit under something like that. And they can only hold that for a day of their life. And it's not healthy. That's the unhealthiest they'll ever be that day, right? And some of them, unfortunately, even die from from those kind of uh, goals. And now you look at somebody, an athlete that's performing a male, let's say 8 to 12% is what's shown to be optimal for most male athletes. Okay. But again, that doesn't include all male athletes, certainly not strong men. And, and I think of you almost like if you were going to be um, competitive, I would probably train you for strongman type of things because you are definitely naturally very, very strong. You're built to pick up heavy shit, Chad. Okay. So what that means too, is that you're naturally should have a little more body fat on you. If you fight that too much, I think that you're always going to be kind of miserable because you're going against the grain a little bit more than I feel like you should. And, and, and you don't feel good when you're trying to look like somebody else. So, you know, I think we talked about that subject enough before. Don't just try to be the best version of you you can be. So looking at those steps, when we say body fat, and percentages, when I'm at 9%, that means that my nutrition is 100% dialed in. And that's for performance for me personally. Like when I go to Spartan this year and I want to qualify for Worlds again, right? I'm going to be 100% dialed in leading up to Spartan. So that'll probably be about two months where I am just just completely dialed into my nutrition. And that means out of, let's just say out of the week, we're going to eat five times a day, right? So what is that? That's uh, 35 meals. Yep. Okay. 35 out of 35 meals for me are going to be right on my plan. And in that case, that means no quote unquote off foods. Now, is that in my plan right now? No. What's in my plan right now? I have 30 out of 35 meals that are spot on my typical healthy nutrition performance plan. The other five meals, I'm not going to call them cheat meals because they're in my plan right now. And for the entire day on a Friday, I will pretty much eat whatever I want to, but I'm not necessarily advocating that everybody does that. I just gave myself a little bit of a break from being as strict for my performance needs leading up to North Face, for example, a couple months ago. And that is why I'm a little bit higher in body fat. So <clears throat> when somebody like the rock he has his you know his cheat meals you got to remember he is so dialed in and he's burning more calories than most not just again in actual training sessions we don't burn as many as we probably think we do 
But because that guy has the amount of muscle mass on him that he does, he's definitely burning more calories just sitting around than most people are. And trust me, he's dialed this in to know what he can get away with. And at the same time, he knows that long term, it's going to help to keep him on track if he has his quote unquote cheat meals that he can look forward to. And that's exactly why I have right now five meals during the week that I can pretty much eat what I want. And I just make that on a Friday because that's kind of my day off my family day. Now that doesn't mean by the way, most of the time, I don't want to eat all five meals off. So probably a lot of times it just comes down to maybe two or three of my meals at the most. And then as I start to get closer to my performance goals, I want to get in that eight to 12% range. And that's where I'll start getting in 33 out of 35 meals, 34 out of 35 meals. I'd say on average, I probably have two off meals a week during the year on average. And then when I really want to dial it in, then I don't have any off meals. When I am giving myself a little bit of a reboot, then I'll give myself more off meals like over the holidays, where I actually put it in my plan that I'm going to have more off meals. That way you don't feel like a failure. So understand that. But I will finish with this thought on this subject. A lot of people will say, man, I, I wish I had your body fat or I want to have your body fat, right? And I think, no, you don't. Because it, it doesn't fit with your lifestyle that you would restrict yourself or that you would discipline yourself in that way. It doesn't mean you can't. I know you can if you really want to. But the question is, do you really want to? And we've talked about this subject a lot before when it comes to your hunting lifestyle, the culture there. You don't necessarily want to go 35 out of 35 meals that are dead on dialed in. No, I mean, that's the thing is that you you almost have this mental approach. I keep saying the word mental cause that's what we're on today is that like you can see to it. You're just like, I give in I'm I'm not going to fight it. Like sometimes you take shit if you don't do what is expected of you, or you feel like you're breaking a cultural tradition, a cultural tradition. I've had guys like Mr. Billy look at me weird when I don't take a piece of French toast that he worked so hard to prepare for everybody. And then I'm the asshole because I go in there and I just eat protein. I don't eat a biscuit. I don't eat it. And then I look at it. And I'm like, is that fair? It's, it's, is it, is it, is it fair to me? That's what I want. That's what my plan was. I know that I'm here, but I'm not going to go all out every day and eat bad, even though I could, but now I'm offending the man that has so much love for his ability to prepare those meals for the guys that he can't wait to see during that time of year. So there's a give and take. It's like, is his food awesome? Yes. Is it comfort food? Yes. Is it what I have in my plan every day? No, I don't want it. And even during duck season, I'm trying to get to the point to where I don't, uh, you know, use that excuse. Like, Oh, I concede. I'm, I'm at duck camp. I'm gonna eat whatever I want. I'm gonna drink 10 beers a night. I'm going to do it. I'm going to wake up and have pop tarts and three red bulls. And it just doesn't matter because it's duck season. Well, it does matter because then once February rolls around and I get back in the gym, like I used to do and take the whole, you know, the whole 105 day season off of the gym, I'd, I'd regret it. I'd have to play catch up. I would face more injuries. I would, I wouldn't be as, as my performance wouldn't be there. So now I'm trying to lay off a little bit where I can, but it's still a fine balance. So mentally, I'm like, no, I can do it. I can go into duck season. I don't have to eat bad or drink every night and, and live up to what is the, 
the what people assume we are the stereotype of what a duck hunter is like hunting camp biscuits and gravy beers cold cocktails around a campfire eating bad you can be fat and out of shape and ride a boat and stand against a tree and hunt i don't want to i'm not trying to break that mold there's a lot of great hunters there that are in shape and there's a lot of great hunters that are out of shape doesn't matter it's up to you but me i'm like I want to, I want to feel better. I want to perform better. I don't want to go into February and not have focus. I don't want to have to play catch up again to where, you know, I enjoy my summer months with my daughter on the lake or on the boat or whatever it is, or I go to a trade show. I would rather people go, man, you look great. You're doing great. You're, you're holding on, you're maintaining than man, you're fluctuating a bunch, man. You know, you were just here and you're there. And then that's the way that I look at it is that I don't really know if I need the validation from somebody. And it does mentally again, make you feel good when somebody goes, man, you look great. And then me, I beat myself up. I'm like, I wonder if they really meant that. I wonder if they really meant that. Or are they just making conversation or do they really see the results and the hard work and the dedication and the discipline? And they're really, I had a guy come up to me named Neil Davies at SHOT Show this year. He works for a big ammo company in America. And he walked up to me and he pulled me aside and he goes, man, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. You look great. You look like you're, you're fighting weight. You look great, man. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like you really, like he was really sincere and authentic about this. And I was like, man, that feels good to hear that because it does give you validation, but do you need that validation mentally to keep going? It does help that those little things help. Like, man, you look great. You're, you're, you're dedicated. You're and th- And that's where I'm saying is that going into duck season or my lifestyle or this last Saturday night at the UFC party, I did eat some tacos, but then on Sunday I was clean. Yesterday I went to pho and I had Vietnamese soup with Neil Fincher. We were talking about a a restaurant and, and I got it without rice noodles. I just got vegetables and some steak and I ate the broth high in sodium probably, but I didn't eat all those complex carbs and then rice noodles, which I probably could have yesterday after yesterday's strength training, but I didn't, I chose not to because I wanted to catch up for the, or the, not the cheat or the mistake I made Saturday, but to balance it out. So mentally I'm thinking about that all the time, you know, and it's like, it, I, I tend to beat myself up more when I probably don't need to. Yeah, I think that we want to have incremental improvements. That's the thing I'm always preaching to people. Think long term, think about the big picture and don't get so extreme with anything that you're doing. Unless, of course, again, when I'm talking about maybe a six day week period where I'm going to focus a lot more on a specific performance goal, it could be considered a little bit more extreme during that period of time. But that's a short window. And I know that it's not going to go on forever like that. And I know that it has a purpose. So, you know, with that in mind, looking at most people's goals, what they need to do is just slow, steady progress and incremental success. For example, if you just have a slight caloric deficit, but you do have a caloric deficit, let's just say of a couple hundred calories a day, that's probably not, that's a snack. That's probably not even something that you're really going to notice a big difference on. And especially if you're paying attention to your fiber, right? And that's one of the subjects that we focused on, or we finished with rather in the last podcast, we kind of finished with fiber, right? But to, to talk about that subject for a second, it's because when you have people that are struggling to meet their energy needs, sometimes I think it's because their fiber is so low, they're not paying attention to their 
fiber content. And I believe that that really will not only increase your satiety, but actually help with your overall energy levels quite a bit. So instead of going to uh, more of your sugars, really look at how much fiber you've been taking in during the day. In other words, don't always look at just sugar on the label, but look more at the, uh, the fiber content. And when you're talking about just these slight caloric deficits, you can have that sushi or you can have these a little bit of, let's say, a treat or whatever you want to call it that's not quite on your overall meal plan that's maybe a friend made something for you and you don't want to disappoint them or you're out to lunch with your friend and you want to have some sushi. I say go ahead and have it. The The idea is moderation, though. So you don't have to eat as much as you can eat either. Just like when I was at that UFC fight here at your house the other night, somebody really wanted me to have a cookie. I don't remember why. Less. I, it was I, less. less. I think it's just because they see me and they go, oh, there's the, there's the coach and uh, he won't have a cookie or let's try to get him to have that cookie. And it wasn't something I really even desired, right? Did I give in to the peer pressure? I, I guess uh, slightly, but I also, my daughter was there and I don't want her to think that cookies are bad or evil somehow. So I had the bite of the cookie. So everybody, it seemed to be important to everybody that I have a bite <laughs> of cookie. So, so I did that, but I don't let that screw with me. I mean, so what? So I had uh, literally maybe 25 calories in a bite of cookie. So what? That's not gonna change anything. So, you know, long-term looking at that, but realizing that 10 cookies would change my calories in versus calories out my, you know, the laws of thermodynamics are not going to change for any of us. So I know that I'm on a slight deficit. Okay. Because you can lose fat and gain muscle. All right. And that's actually, if you go my uh, podcast, we talked about that in my last podcast. So I, that would be out by the time this is out. You can listen to that and why that is, but I have seen that time and time and time again with my athletes that yes, they can lose fat and gain muscle. And we talk about how to do that. But again, big surprise here. It's not about the extremes, right? It's about using your stored energy, which is your fat and realizing that you have fat that you can use for that energy with a slight deficit. You're not going hungry, but you are directing your body in the direction you want it to go, if that makes sense. And it's just a longer term approach. When we diet hard, we tend to lose a lot of muscle as well. And we don't want to do that. And at the same time, when we bulk up, right now, we're just taking in all these calories so we can gain, gain, gain. What are we gaining? I mean, realistically, you're gaining more fat, more water weight, more glycogen, things like that. And you then try to lean down. Well, to me, that's just an excuse to eat like a pig and then you have to diet. And then you're on this crazy yo-yo. So don't do that, right? Almost everybody I work with, they actually have some fat they can lose, very rarely, sometimes with some of my world-class athletes, I think that they actually need to gain some fat, but that's like one out of a hundred people. So just keeping in mind that all of this has got to serve you and the way you see yourself, again, I love the transparency, but I think that that's the subject we need to talk about here a little bit, because when I see you, I see somebody who is in good shape, 
relatively you're strong. And so relative to me, that is function, right? That is functional. So you're relatively fit for hunting. And I think you're a great example for hunters. And I quite honestly, I can't think of many examples that are better in especially for duck hunting than you. And especially as an influencer for people listening to you and following you. Also keep in mind that realistically, we want to give them that approach that what you're doing is serving you and helping you become the best version of you you can be, and that is attainable for them too. And so that's where I think we have to really bring things back to the basics, keep it simple, but but also remember that we are never realistically going to look like that person in the magazine, maybe one out of a million of us will because we happen to have the genetics for it or something, but it's really the process that's the real success. And that's what I keep going back to mentally. If you see it that way, you're not going to feel like a but, failure. But you just brought something up right there that I've been thinking about. And, and it's not the only, I didn't think about this. I didn't bring it up, but you, you talk about seeing the person in the magazine mentally if I saw somebody on the cover of men's fitness or the one we were just in in muscle and fitness that looked like me, okay, that's not the guy that usually is on the cover of that magazine, lights, oil down, abs flex, veins coming out of his V going down to his pubes, you know, he's like what the cover model supposed to look like. If I saw somebody that was more approachable or more real or more in my grasp, I would be more apt to pick that up and go, whoa. I wonder where he's going. I wonder how he got to here. What did he look like six months ago or a year ago? And what's his plan moving forward? Or what's her plan? You watch a Peloton commercial. They want to sell you this bike to get in shape. But the commercial is a the a girl that's built like Aaron that has 10% body fat, if that, that has an ass that's world class and freaking the legs like this. And then a guy that's like, I'm like, I'll never get there. Why would I buy that bike? Why don't you put somebody on there that mentally tells me I can do that? That's built. That's for me. I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm not the best bike rider in the world. I'm not the best marathon runner. I'm not the best Versa climber in the world. But if you show me that it's reachable, my mental aptitude or my mental approach would be like, or even if I'm a girl, I bet the girl would be like, I don't know if I'll ever look like Aaron, but I could probably start where that girl looks like. Why don't these companies ever market this a little bit more real or something that's a little bit, they're, they're almost saying, hey, if you buy our bike, you're going to look like this girl or this guy. And I don't think that that's mentally stable for somebody to really think that. And I think it defeats people more of like, I'm never going to get there. So I'm not going to read your magazine. I'm not going to get motivated by that. Give me something that's going to motivate me. Tell me like Matt is I can have sushi once in a while and still get that better version of myself and know what my why is. It's almost like this whole marketing scheme is sex sales. And now you got to be a sexy chick to get results on a Peloton. Yeah. And that's why I feel passionate about getting the word out the way that we are. I mean, when we talk about influencers, we are influencers too. And I think it's important for us to get that word out as much as we can, because I, as you know, I used to do some modeling myself and I'll tell you that I did not feel nearly as good, nor did I perform as well back then when I looked like 
the statue of David or something, or I, I guess that was the goal at least to look like that. I got a lot more compliments back then, but it wasn't as realistic. And of course there was my agent at the time. She told me, okay, Matt, there was a big magazine that was really interested in me and, and the cover at the time. And it was my first like big break. She said, but they want you to gain about 20 more pounds of muscle. And knowing I had already kind of maximized my training edge at that time, there was one obvious solution that the other models were doing that I wasn't doing, and that was to get on gear, right? So again, that's where I, thankfully, you know, I took a different direction in my life, but I guess I would say that I don't have a problem with people making their own choices to be on gear, not to be on gear, but I think at least be honest about it because most of the time when we're looking at people and they have those kind of images, there's a lot more behind it than we can see. And it's not necessarily you know, natural. And, and there's a lot of different ways it can be unnatural, but even just the lifestyle alone, I mean, you have to be obsessed with looking that way. And that's not, again, necessarily even functional for your goals. So if it's not going to fit your goals, but it just gives you the image you want on the beach during the summer, I, I don't know that that is an, a strong enough reason to do it. And for some reason, some people it may be. And again, it's your choice and I can respect that choice. You're still going to have to work really hard. But the idea is let's not be influenced by those things. And I can say being transparent to Chad is that I kind of miss some of the compliments I got when I had bigger arms and, you know, a little bit more chiseled. And overall, I was bad back then. I was about 200 pounds and about 5% body fat for my pictures. And yeah, it looked really good. I couldn't run. It literally hurt my heels too much to run because I'd lost too much fat on my heels, Chad right? Does that make sense? I didn't want to stand for long periods of time because it would hurt the bottom of my heels. That's how low in body fat I was at the time. And I feel much better the way I operate now and the way I function now. And of course, with more endurance sports in mind, I've learned though, that what I feel like the image that I can give to people or the influence that I can give to people is, Hey, this is actually true health and fitness. And this what it really looks like. Not that I think, I don't think I look bad. I don't think you look bad. I think it's just a little bit more of a realistic view of what people can get to naturally. Yeah. And I think that if, if, if people start to think that way, that I can get there, there are, and we, we talked about this on the last podcast about goals. I don't know what kind of goals you set. I don't know where you go mentally. And I don't know if that's part of your list, but if I'm going to get started, what do you say? I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to cut down calories. I'm going to have more outtake than intake. I'm going to start by walking 20 minutes a day. I'm going to get a gym membership. Does that really work? Or are you going to commit to going? Do you need a trainer to make hold you accountable? So mentally, you got to be like approaching it. This is for me. This is my plan. I'm I'm might venture off of this plan in this in this road in this avenue once in a while, but that's okay because I could fail forward and get right back on it. But getting started in the mental approach to what if I fail? What if I don't get the results that I'm looking for? So to me, that's telling me mentally we got to strive for something that's reachable that, that we can get to, because once you get that first little knock in your, you know, that notch in your belt, then you're like, Whoa, I can go to number two. 
And then once that number two is knocked off, you're like, now there's three. And then I can reach that next rung on the ladder. Notch on the belt was figuratively speaking, but that makes sense because you're, you know, you're trying to get that belt tighter and tighter and, and have a smaller waist and bigger quads, maybe, or whatever you're trying to do. I'm just saying that maybe you reach smaller and, 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 and earn smaller and, and then go on to the next level. I think that people want too much too fast. And I think that that's what that magazine cover and that Peloton commercial is telling me is that if I do this, I'm going to get there really fast. Well, I listen to Stern. Howard Stern is a big Peloton guy. Yeah, He's got too. his favorite coach and he's got, you know, he knows her by name. And then he sits there and goes, but I still have this effing gut. I'm a skeleton with a gut. I'm skinny fat. And he's complaining about himself, which, you know, you can wonder is Howard. He sees a psychiatrist three or four or five days a week. Uh, is he really, is that just for stick? Is it just for his radio show? I don't know. But he's telling the world, I have a fat gut. My wife is gorgeous. I have a fat gut. Peloton is awesome, but I'm not losing my gut. So really, what is, you know, what is he really trying to tell us? He's not happy 100% he's still reachable. He's still going to keep working out. He doesn't lift weights as much as he did at one time because he isn't his getting into his mid sixties. So he's doing more Peloton and, and staying active that way. But if you think about the mental approach to that is what is truly reachable and conceivable, what can I really do? I'm not going to look like you. So I do want to have a lean stomach. I want to have more definition in my legs. I do want to lose my man tits. I want to do all of that stuff, but I want to do it slow and I want to do it right. And if I try to go too much, I'm just going to bring myself down more because you're not going to see the results in a timely enough matter that you want. And that's what really bothers people and gets them out of the gym or gets them off of their plan is like, whoa, you told me if I rode that bike, I would look like her. That's not even the case. Now, yeah, now you're singing my tune because that's exactly what I feel like happens. A guy like Stern, first of all, I think he's pretty transparent. That's led to a lot of his success. So there's definitely some truth to that. I think a little bit of it can be stick, but he's not doing enough strength training most likely. And especially if he's just doing Peloton, it's, it's, you can't get everything out of a spin bike. You can't get everything out of any one type of modality, really. That's why I believe in nonlinear progression. So in other words, some Peloton, yes, that can be good, but should be doing some strength training as well. You should be rounding things out in your routines and make it work for you. But what you said, getting back to what you said about the goal, the initial goal, your legacy is really important to know what your legacy needs to be in your mind. In other words, at your funeral one day, what are people going to say about you? What do you want your legacy to be? To me, that's the long-term goal that you're working towards. But on any given day, if it's your last day, are you happy with your process? Because that's really the part that we have to embrace. And when I talk about body fat, for example, knowing really what percentage that really is realistic is, is so important because there are people like Stern who may be going from, let's say that he has lost three or 4% body fat. Initially, he's going to see those results. He's going to get those results, but then his body does start to adjust and he needs some variation and just doing more Peloton probably is not going to cut it, right? So it's efficiency, 
right, where he's uh, no longer effective because his body is efficient now at the Peloton, and then you get the diminishing returns. So that's the, that's the same uh, concept even when I have people in the gym with me, like yourself, where I have to change things up. We introduce you to a movement, then we progress, and then we sort of peak, and then we have to move on to something else because your body is going to adjust and you'll have those diminishing returns. So I don't believe that. I think there's always should be a plan. So in other words, you coming in on any given day, there's a plan behind that. So just saying, oh, I'm just going to shock the body every time my clients come in and that's going to get the best results. No, that's just being lazy on my part that I didn't create a plan for you. Okay. But, but after you're looking at say six week period of time in general, most people, as long as they've been consistent, they have adjusted to that plan and we need some variations in that plan. And so Peloton, strength training, nutrition, all these things, there has to be a plan for it. And in my mind, that's a lot of times where we feel like failures because you might have somebody starting off at say 30% body fat. Okay. But then that's why I talked about my body fat as an example at 12%, you can see my abs, right? So you can see my abs year round. Okay. It's just that sometimes you can see more of my abs, right? You can see more veins when I'm at 9%, right? Okay. I get it. That is the aesthetics of it. But if you can see my abs at 12% and you start at 30% and you say, okay, I'm going to get down to Matt's 12% but you're at say 15% and you feel great and you look great, but you just don't have the same vascularity I do. Why are you disappointed? Just because for some reason, seeing that vein makes everything better, makes that's your what, life That's different? what the workout world has taught us. Right? And that's, that's what the that problem. magazine cover teaches us is that you have to have veins. You have to have pecs. You have to have abs. And that's the mental thing that bugs me that I started this with is that you really don't. I could go on a date with one of the hottest girls in the world just based on my personality. At least that's what I want to tell myself. Absolutely. Do you have to have confidence to say that? I'm sure. I don't think that I'm God's gift to every woman, but I also think that there's a girl out there that's going to like you for who you are and your personality and, 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 and not have to have a six pack or washboard abs. So I was just simply saying that I respect the guys and girls that can get there. I just think it's a little bit more real and in touch and reachable if I can see somebody normal doing it and say, okay, I, I feel that I'm there. I think that mentally that's a better sales pitch to 90% of the potential customer base out there of getting them going. If you go to any gym in America, the, the first ad you see is somebody that's in shape. Like that gym made that person there. There's so much more that goes into it with genetics and approach and balance and, and, and discipline and nutrition and, and sleep and everything that goes into it. Just cause you go in there and get introduced to a, a, a Versa climber or whatever it is, it doesn't mean you're going to look like that. There's a lot that has to go into it by just saying you pay us your $15 a month and you work out here and you're going to, you're going to look, that's not the case. That's why most people quit because they don't understand what they're reaching for. They don't even have a clue mentally first of what is even reachable or conceivable in, in, in their mission right now. They just look at the, they, they know that they're tired of being out of shape. Their cardio is not there. Their muscles and their joints and their tendons, their ligaments are sore. They can't tie their shoes. They feel terrible. They have no energy, but don't tell them you're going to look like this. 
make sure that it's realistic, right? And that's what it wasn't for me is, can I really get my tits and my chest to look like somebody that's in shape? Maybe I can't because of the surgery. I've never went as far as going medically and asking a doctor, can I get rid of this, this scar? Because it really looks worse than it is. Maybe I can't lose any more fat in my tits. I bet you I can, but I'm saying like, make sure you educate yourself on that process first. And I think that a lot of people skip that step. Yeah, absolutely. And I like what you said about just having more short-term goals. A lot of people don't actually know where their set points are. So they, they don't even really know where they're starting from necessarily. So that can be anything from nutrition, like how many calories you've taken in. I've talked about that a lot before. Or that could be just their current fitness level. So because they don't know that, they could actually be, say, making some real progress in their training routine, for example, but they don't necessarily know because they don't have numbers behind it. Whereas we try in our facility to give you guys numbers to where you can see that you're making progress. And those numbers are not always going to be on the scale. In fact, we don't even, we've never scaled and we don't scale and measure people that way, right? I don't do it that way because I believe that with the right mindset and the right athletic training, which I think everybody should train athletically, the aesthetics come. And when you start to look at your numbers improving, let's say it's something as simple as your VersaClimber number you were talking about before, or it could even be a number, say, range of motion for improving uh, your your hip position, okay? So when I say range of motion, for example, maybe anterior pelvic tilt causing a little bit of extra stress on your hamstring, your hamstrings feel tight, your lower back might feel tight. You don't feel comfortable trying to even get through certain ranges or getting out of the chair. You feel really stiff. Over time, you start to feel better. You get better range of motion. Your hips are kind of, think about your hips like being the steering wheel. Okay. And I say your hips are your headlights a lot when we're training. In other words, you're steering with your hips when you're moving. Okay. And I think a lot of times when we work on simple modalities like that to where I give you some assignments, I want you to do your protocol that's going to help to open up your hips and increase range of motion in your hips. For example, you start feeling better. If you feel better, you move more. If you move more, you burn more calories. And so one thing affects the other, obviously. And having those small little goals, I think is what leads to the big goal. But again, it comes back down to let's focus on the process and not the outcome. The outcome, if we're laser focused on the outcome, we're most likely probably not going to ever get there because we're not focused now on what we can do today on what we can do now. Or when we are hyper-focused on the outcome, if we fail, even a small failure, we tend to give up quicker instead of seeing the long-term result we can get with incremental progress. So yeah, fail, but fail forward, have success, but understand and even embrace that process and say, oh, wow, I learned a lot about myself today. This was a challenge to me today, not a threat. So that's that challenge versus threat mindset where you say, okay, you know what? <clears throat> I did have that extra cookie. Now I'm going to just take it as a challenge for the rest of my day to get in more fiber and to help to 
improve my overall result, maybe I will walk around the block a few extra times. I'm going to take control now. All right. And I'm not going to live in the past. I'm not going to think about what I did or I didn't do. I'm going to think about what I can do right now. And so focus now is one of my steps that I say, everybody can take control right here, right now. Okay. Yes. The past is the past and you can learn from that good, bad, or otherwise you can learn from your past. If you're really open to it, you can actually make a lot of great changes and those steps, although they're small and they're incremental, they add up to a lot of success long-term, but it's just basically that mindset. And I, I think that we need to be more realistic about what it is that we really want to accomplish because, you know, once again, most people don't want to be as disciplined as me. So when they look at somebody or you look at somebody who has that razor sharp looking chest and, and you're comparing yourself, do you really want to have that lifestyle to get to that point? Or can you be happier with where you're at now? You know, and that's not to say that you can't have more improvement, but then, you know, make that decision that, yeah, I do want to actually take these extra steps, which, you know, knowing you, Chad, you probably do want to take those extra steps. And that's, that's, that's okay too, to say, okay, you know what? Yeah, I do. I want to actually get more strict. I want 33 out of 35 meals to be spot on dead on. And I'm going to do it and I'd be happier doing that. If you're, if the answer is you're going to be happier doing that, then do it. But I just feel like a lot of people, they don't really want that kind of lifestyle. They don't want to obsess about those things. And so they're actually happiest, maybe meeting it in the middle somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's never more evident of, you know, we, we, we talked about Dwayne Johnson, the rock a little bit, but if you, if you want to look like the person on the cover of the magazine mentally and you say, I can get there, just look at, I would say a huge percentage of athletes that we grew up watching or we consistently watch, right? Mike Tyson. What does he look like now? He's not dieting. He's not has, doesn't have a nutritionist in Rooney and all these coaches and weight and jump roping every day and doing it. He's 50, 55 years old now. But even when he was 45, he didn't look like Mike Tyson when he was training every day at 25 to 30. You look at tons of running backs or linemen that come out or baseball players. You see him four, three, three, four years after retirement. You don't even recognize them. So you have to look at it like they're, they're looking like that because they're being paid to perform. They have a lot of coaches in a lot of areas and nutritionists and a lot of help a lot of structure, a lot of accountability. You can, as a, as a, a just a person, a nine to five or blue collar American, you can get there if you really do what you're saying and, and taking those extra steps. And, but you have to understand that it's not going to happen just by getting on a treadmill. You can't do it. You got to weight train. You got to have balance. You got to have a, a, you know, a curriculum that in, entails all of that stuff, right. And, and encompasses all of that. Plus the nutrition, plus the sleep, plus maybe some genetics. I don't know if supplementation has to be there, but a lot of those guys were on supplements when they were performing, whether it was creatine back in the day or HGH or whatever it is. A lot of those professional athletes, you hear about it all the time, even for pain recovery, they're getting shots instantly to take 
take care of their pain right away. A lot of Americans or anybody in the world can't fight through that pain if you hurt yourself in the gym. So you got to keep it relative of what's reachable. And look at a lot of your favorite athletes that were on those magazine covers one day, which mine of all time is Bo Jackson. Bo don't look like Bo did back when he was doing the Nike commercials. And he doesn't give a shit. He's happy. He's 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 still in shape and he's still biking and, and hunting and doing what he loves. But he doesn't look like Bo Jackson when Bo knows Bo. He does, he's not doing that same workout anymore. His body slowed down. Maybe it is the testosterone, whatever it is. Frank Thomas, the big hurt from University of Auburn and Chicago White Sox, Hall of Famer, home run ch- badass. He's all over these, you know, these GNC commercials for testosterone. And the girls come up to him and go, big, big, big Frank, you look so, so good. How are you doing it? And he's like, oh, I'm on this pill. I'm like, no, you're not. No, that pill is not making you lose all the weight. You got to have, you got to be eating the right meals and all of that shit. A lot of people can see right through it. Don't fake us out. Mentally, don't sell us that if we buy that pill, we're going to lose 20 pounds like the Big Hurt just did. Because the Big Hurt was very out of shape when his playing days were over. And now he got into a little bit of shape and he's a good spokesman for guys over 40 that can have somebody in the gym go, man, you really look better. I can say that I look better right now than I did at 39 or 38, but it's not because I went and took a magical pill. I would tell somebody, dude, you come and look at our workouts. They're not easy. They're harder than they're hard as hell. They're, and I'm not saying they're unreachable, but if you're gonna get if you're gonna get results, you're gonna have to put your body through physical activity that's not just running a mile on a treadmill. There's a lot that goes into your ty- your style of workout. So it's all relative. Is what do you want? What's reachable? What's real? And mentally, what can I conceive? What can I get to? But don't pull the wool over my eyes because I'm smart enough to go. Wait, Bo doesn't look like Bo anymore. He's not working out the way that he did. At one time, he was legitimately disciplined. And maybe he had genetics that he didn't even have to be as disciplined as you are. And he still got the results because he was burning so many calories a day through his workouts and playing football and baseball year round and track and field and winning the 86-foot locker slam dunk contest and all the things that he did. He was a he was a phenom, right? He was an he was a he was a superman, a superhero, really, Bo Jackson. So comparing ourselves to the people on the covers. And the girl in the Peloton commercial, you have to look at it in a more realistic approach and know what is going to make you happy. Me being happy is me being able to look in the mirror and not seeing extra fat hang off my tits or my nipples being pinched down because I have fat over the top of them or underneath of them. Uh, That's the way that I want to look. That's what I'm trying to, that's what my goals are. I want to figure out my nutrition plan because my muscles there. My strength's there. I can do a lot of powerful things with my chest, so it's got to be something else. So I got to go the extra mile in the meals and the preparation and the discipline and all that that goes into it. But don't fake yourself out like this pill's going to do this and this treadmill's going to do this. It's not the case. It's really not. No, you are a product of your habits. I really believe that. And so when we look at things in the long term, we're looking at either helpful habits or hurtful habits or some combination of those things. So obviously you want to try to maximize your helpful habits. Focus on three things that you're doing well. And that's important even in your just your automatic negative thoughts, for example, be a part of your day. So have some affirmations ready to say to yourself, but those affirmations affirmations, you know, I can do this, right? I can get to the gym. That's something I can control right now. I can decide to get to the gym. But in other words, you have to take action. 
And so often I feel that we're not taking action, like we're somehow not in control, but we are. We are in control of ourselves and our lives, and we can make these decisions to get to the gym and consistently. The the problem, I think, a lot of times is we see the grind. So we're getting back a lot today to influencers. And this is the problem I have with influencers, taking that pill like you were talking about before where it's really a lot of other factors involved, not that pill. It's his habits that allowed him to get that success, right? But, if they, could get, but if they could get... <laughs> 10% of the population, I want you to keep that. I'm, if they can get 10% of the population to react just based on this influencer, they're, they're making money. Billions. They're, they're billions, right? So they don't care. No. They don't care. People have to understand that. They don't give a shit what you look like. <laughs> they're not going to pay you next year because you bought this because Frank Thomas said this. So go ahead. Yeah, no. It's, and I just have to say, too, I mentioned before about how a lot of people don't think that you can gain muscle while losing fat, right? I think a lot of that came from the supplement industry. They want to sell you things to bulk and build muscle, then they want to sell you things to cut and shred down, right? So we keep getting sold on these ideas, but where's it coming from? Is there any science behind this? Is there, are there case studies that you've actually taken the time yourself to look up, under, listen, understand, or learn, understand, and verify information before you just buy into it, right? Even anything that I said today, do your own research on it, right? But getting back to what you're talking about, I think that you go into the gym consistently, all right? And and let's say that that is the first maybe uh, objective I would have is creating a plan for yourself where you schedule in the times you're going to train and how you're going to choose to eat around your lifestyle, okay? What kind of time do you have realistically? Because you know, that's something that, you know, shameless plug again here, but Bobby McGee, myself and you, we are putting together an ebook for hunters. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that as we get closer to releasing that book. But Bobby talks about this all the time with the athletes that we work with. How much time does this athlete have to put into this goal? Because we have anywhere from people trying to make the Olympics to people just age group athletes. Okay. And if you are trying to get, let's say, even just an age group athlete trying to get on the podium, what kind of time do you have? It's not saying that we can't get you or help you get on that podium, but the, the first point of failure oftentimes is I'm going to train a higher amount of volume that I'm capable of giving with my schedule. It's not even realistic to start, but that's what so-and-so did. So that's what I say I have to do. And that's where obviously they're going to fail after just a couple few weeks because they're just run down. They can't keep it up. And so really looking at your schedule realistically, when can you get to the gym? Let's just stick with the theme of the gym right now and then get there, stick with your plan when you get there, maybe on some days, you're just going to work more on decompression and range of motion and just allow your body some, some easy circulation, you know, some non-impact cardio exercise or low impact cardio exercise. 
instead of thinking that every day you go into the gym, you've got to grind because that's just another thing we've been taught by influencers. And I love the rock stuff, by the way, like it would be an honor to, to be able to shake that man's hand. Don't get me wrong. I'm one of his biggest fans, but I don't believe that we need to grind the way we see a lot of times on Instagram. That is what we're, people are putting up to sell things mainly, or even just to create that image but it's not real. We don't grind that hard. And I train a lot of really, really high-end athletes that will tell you they barely ever grind that way. When we do work hard, we work as hard as it gets sometimes, but that's carefully planned. And so the consistency part is what really matters. What I would say here is that when you look at somebody's success, okay, and we keep talking about small term or incremental goals, the first thing that we can see as a success or what creates success, take, I, I don't care what goals you're talking about, okay, take weight loss, take performance goals, you know, any of these things. What how many days was that person committed consistently throughout the year? The person who is able to stay more consistent is much more likely to achieve those goals. And that's what I have seen personally as a coach for 20 years now. It's the person who remains consistent. So, you know, we talk about our man less a lot. He says all the time to his friends, especially at his age now, right, who they're having all kinds of health issues. And he tells them, don't even, don't even think that you're going to get these kind of benefits without being consistent. First of all, you got to be consistent. And I love that when it comes to the influencers like less, there's people out there now, they're giving the right information, but a lot of times they don't want to listen to him, right? They'd rather just go get that pill or they'd go in and they work really hard because they feel like they've got to do that, but then they can barely move the next day. So they skip the next two days yep. and they're not consistent anymore. So consistency is key anywhere from losing weight to getting that performance edge. And then I would say that you really have to stay very intentional with your training or with your techniques, any of these things, focused, intentional techniques, focused, intentional training. This is all about serving your purpose, your why. If not, then it's not relative. It's not functional for you. It's not going to last. So stay consistent. Make sure that your training makes sense for you. And again, I would say just as a reminder that most days, if you focus more on what your body is telling you, if you focus more on what you feel and how you feel, you're going to be able to make better decisions for you. Have a plan, but write it in pencil so that you can make adjustments and have that mental flexibility. Now, that doesn't give you excuses either, though. That doesn't mean, oh, I feel tired. That means I'm not going to go to the gym at all. No, I think you get to the gym, but then from there you decide maybe today should be a lighter day for me, or maybe I should just even go for a walk, something like that. But then after five, 10 minutes, you might feel different. You might be ready to go. Yeah. And I've had plenty of days where I end up getting in a really good quality session for that. Um, and the last thing I would say is uh, just because this has gotten to be such a big subject lately, but 
when you talked about Howard Stern and the, you know, the, the biking and I, and I have not personally done Peloton, but as a cyclist, I've done a lot of cycling. I went to nationals a few years back for duathlon. And, uh, I can tell you that cycling definitely is very specific. Okay. And that has its place, but you, when you're not balancing a bike, for example, on your own, you're burning a lot less calories, first of all right? So go, getting outside and actually doing things outside and not being on a stationary bike, that's step one to me is what you're doing in the gym should be so that it can serve you to do things outside of the gym more. But let's just say that you really enjoy the culture of that and you like being in that Peloton, right? Then you have to realize that a lot of times that high intensity approach that they're taking, it's too much too often, and that in itself can be a point of contention for your body's recovery because there's not so much overtraining as under recovering. So making that decision on how many of these classes am I going to take in a 10 day period or in a six week period, if you write out your, your training blocks like that and deciding on what days are best for you to actually push and what days are better for you to just do some easy or steady state cardio. Cause I'm a much bigger proponent if you're talking about losing weight of doing steady state cardio as you know than trying to do high intensity interval training which is very specific to athletics and for most people they really don't need that high intensity training they think they do and then they get really wiped out potentially get injured depending on what they're doing and then they lose that consistency and for what because they were sold on an idea that high intensity interval training burns all of these calories post-workout, right? I'm going to burn calories for the next 72 hours or I can eat whatever I want because I did hit today. Doesn't work like that. No. In fact, usually e epoch, right? So that's, that's the excessive post um, calories that you burn, right? Uh, so those calories, excessive post oxygen consumption or the calories that you're burning, those are maybe 30 to 40 calories after that that training session and for people that are say going in with an empty stomach and thinking i'm going to burn more fat this way okay yeah you might burn a little bit more fat or yeah hormonally i've heard of things like you produce a little bit more hgh when you're on intermittent fasting and okay the body regulates and works out these things you don't necessarily end up having any more fat loss or burning any more calories than you would have if you had a little bit in your stomach, you had some breakfast that morning, you got in a good workout and you felt better, you had good energy. And then after the workout, you end up burning more of the fat. So if you're going to burn it during that that uh, training or afterwards, the body regulates that really, it still comes down to energy in versus energy out. So just as an example, I'll finish with this. It's it, a lot of times I think that when it comes to mindset, it's got to be either or, right? I'm either going to do this or that. It's not black and white like that. So in other words, when I'm getting into more of a caloric deficit, and when I say more, like I probably never get more than say 250 calories less than I've been doing, but that's just, you know, for me, that works. 
I may adopt some intermittent fasting days. I may, in other words, not eat until 12 o'clock, one, two o'clock. And I've done that before and successfully. And I may also want to get used to operating with an empty stomach for performance reasons. And that works for me. That serves my why. And ultimately, all the IF did, though, was restricted my calories a little bit more because it gave me a window that I could eat, right? And it made it easier for me. So sometimes I'll suggest that to people, and I've suggested it to you because it makes it easier to eat within your window, but without getting in more calories than you want, right? So in other words, you're not in a caloric surplus because we've created just a window for you, not because there's some magic to IF. But now, right now, when I'm trying to put on a little bit more lean tissue or create some more muscle mass for myself, and I tend to do that this time of year because as I do more and more running and my sessions get harder and harder getting ready for my competitions, then I tend to lose a little bit of muscle as well. I want to kind of build up my strength base this time of year to prepare for that. So my relative strength is where I need it to be for competition. So I'll eat early and often right now, get up in the morning and I'll eat. And so I just know my why behind it, but there's, it's not either or, oh, I thought you did IF. Oh, I thought you ate early and often. I, I do what works for best for me, but at the end of the day, it still comes down to calories in versus calories out. Consistency. Yeah. Which is the biggest part of what you just said is, is huge to me because people always look at kind of the results. They're looking at the cover of that magazine. Those are the results. He's been consistent in his workout approach. The girl on the bike has been consistent in her nutrition or workout or yoga or swimming or whatever it is. If you, I, I am consistent with intermittent fasting. You taught me it. I do it six days a week religiously. I don't eat from 8 PM until noon, six days a week. And I see results. Now, Does that work for everybody? I don't know, because I can go into a really high intensity. I don't know if that's the right word, but yesterday was a lot of grueling abdominals and different workouts, the reverse planks. Or if I go into a Thursday workout with Aaron and we're doing a lot of, um, you know, you're doing strength and you got a cardio and I don't know, it's it's just called high interval or whatever you call it. You're bringing your heart rate up and bringing it down. Um, Metabolic. She's basically creating a metabolic burn. We're doing some metabolic training, helping your your metabolism and burn more calories. Yeah. Yeah. And can I just real quick on that, just to give an example though, because you said you weren't really quite sure of what that was about. Well, obviously Aaron and I, it's our job to create a plan. And for you guys, that's something that we try to educate you on too. So you know, your why, right? But I'm taking certain things in my perspective and my, I guess, experience, I would say to be able to complement what it is that I know with your needs. So it becomes relative to you, in other words, functional to you. So we hit points yesterday in that training that really fits your needs. Whereas Aaron will take you through a little bit more of that metabolic training session. But then with me, when I go a little bit heavier with you and we start to do some of our heavier training again, because we have focused on some of the weak points, we'll say, or challenging points in your 
in your chain, right, throughout your body, then you're probably going to have better strength at that point. So again, that's a way of serving your long-term goals. And it all has to work off of each other and, and it has to have some kind of method behind the madness. I don't believe in just like randomly doing stuff every time you come in without having some kind of a plan. But so with that being said, I think that with you, Chad, if you're going to stay very consistent with your cardio and having the kind of frame that you have, your conditioning is going to be there always for any hunts that come up. Your conditioning, uh, to me, is where we really have to emphasize your training, okay, because you're naturally so strong. So why I think that IF works for you, that intermittent fasting, it works for you really well and even long term is because you have so much muscle on you. We're mainly focused on your conditioning, although we do believe that training with your strength training, in other words, your training there still should be emphasized around your relative goal, which is hunting. So I don't think that for me that would work long time because I actually have sort of with my body, I will lose muscle much quicker than you will, right? And I have to focus a little bit more on keeping it on. And I have to have some intentional techniques behind that, which means that I'm going to eat five meals early and often throughout the day. And I base it around protein a little bit more, for example, to be able to support that muscle with you. That's not really an issue, but what can be an issue is just it, it works for me, and that's where I was going is consistently yeah. the IF is working because there's a lot of people that would say, How are you working out the way you are at nine o'clock in the morning without any calories in your body? And then more importantly, how are you recovering? Because you still have an hour after an hour, 90 minutes after your workout's over before you <clears throat> take your first calorie in. So That might not work for everybody. For me, maybe it's because of the way I'm built or the muscle mass that I've gotten over the years that right now I'm able to do that. And only one time in seven months now, one time since I don't, it was probably right around September 1st, somewhere in there. What have I gotten lightheaded in a workout because I need felt that I needed some sugars or I needed some hydration or something. Most of the time, my issue is hydration. When I have a headache, when I'm tired, when I don't feel focused, it's almost 100% of the time it's because of my hydration levels are down. That's what I've come to know about myself. So where I was going with that is that you see that magazine cover and you see that Peloton commercial, you're seeing the results. If people look at something and find inspiration and maybe not use the word influence, but if you are going to get influenced, maybe find something within your organization, within your daily infrastructure, with the way that you live your life, what is going right? What are you doing right? What's going right? Is your marriage good? My communication with my wife is awesome. It's never been better. I'm taking the time to see what her needs are. I'm I'm striking up conversations. We're setting aside time from the kids to go on date nights. We're going on trips, family trips. We're really spending quality time to really keep that candle lit. The romance, the sex, everything. Is that going right? Is your business going right? consistency and messaging is everything in growing a brand. You want your followers on Instagram to go up. You want your listeners on your podcast to go up. You want your ratings on your TV show go up. You want more of your merchandise that your manufacturing sales to go up. You want dealers to be more behind it. You got to have a marketing plan. You got to have consistency and messaging. You have to have a path. Same with working out. What are you doing right within your daily organization 
that you're happy with? Or is everything shot? Are you just a piece of shit all the way around? I've been there. Sometimes I got to pick myself off the floor and go, man, I got to shake myself like a wet dog and get back on track and find my focus in a lot of different areas. But if you can find one little piece of your daily grind that's going right, then apply that as your inspiration and your quote unquote influence. Man, in my business, I got so refocused. I listened to one Tony Robbins speech or I'm not really a huge Tony Robbins fan, but I do respect him and I like his, some of his messaging, but I'm more of a Rick Revilio guy. What is Rick doing? Rick tells me it's focus. It's re finding refocus. It might not be on your whole business plan. It might just be on your employees or the benefits package or your marketing plan or your sales plan or your human resource, whatever it is. Find that inspiration and that influence within your organization and then pull from that and go, all right, if I just took that approach and I'm seeing consistent growth and beneficial, um, beneficial growth and prosperity and revenue streams and everything coming out of me reapplying myself to, I'm going to be a better podcaster, a better conversationalist. I'm going to be a better businessman, a better leader. I'm going to talk more clearly. I'm going to I'm going to really do good at launching this next brand by doing this and teaming up with these guys. Well, take that same approach to your workout and your nutrition. Find something that's going right in your life, in my opinion, and say, okay, I'm just going to take a little bit of this and put it into that. Consistency. I'm going to be better at intermittent fasting. I'm going to be better at eating more fiber, more greens, the big ass salad. I'm going to be better at getting in the gym and not just going in there and going through the motions, but actually applying some of the stuff that I'm learning and, 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 and figuring out different ways to trick my body and use your hips as your headlights. All of that stuff makes for better results. So I'm always telling myself, what is going right? Where can I find it within myself? I got a lot of good shit going on. So if my man tits aren't going away, where can I figure out in my life to pull from that and go, all right, what if I do this? What if I just change one little thing or it might be two little things? I'm going to have more consistency in my messaging to my man tits. I want you to go away. I'm going to be more consistent on that and you can get results, but you can't just be like, Oh, I have man tits and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and they're going to go away. I've been doing pushups and working out chest exercises with you forever. And I still have a little bit of man tits that I don't like. So I got to do something else. Yeah. So, and so just pull, but, pull, find something to pull from. So I'll take your example here. So people can kind of put this to you in your own perspective, what you can use it for. But in your example, Obviously, you have a lot of muscle in your chest, right? So you just want to get rid of some additional fat there. So what can you do about it right now? Well, for example, looking at your nutrition, you can take in more fiber, which is going to help potentially to satisfy you and also give you maybe an edge on the nutrients you are absorbing. So that's something that you can do right now, right? Another thing you can do is maybe walk an additional mile every day. Something that you, you can do every day, but it's not overwhelming, but will obviously create a deficit between when you talk about losing weight, you're talking about, again, the entire body needs to lose fat. You can't just identify the chest. So by doing more pushups, it's not going, sure, it'll bring that muscle out more, but you're still going to have fat on top of it. It's the same with abs or anything like that, right? So what you want to look at is, what can I do right now to create that deficit? I'm going to uh, allow myself maybe 15 minutes extra a day, walk that extra mile, something like that. Or you can even look at your overall steps that you're maybe take three days where you carry uh, one of those um, 
what do you call this? This you know this, the pedometer. The pedometer. Thanks. I was just blanking Heart for rate a second. Monitor, yeah, yeah. You wear a pedometer. Thank you. Um, and see how many steps you're actually averaging a day, and then just obviously if you kick it up another. 15 minutes, mile, or 1,000 steps, or whatever it's going to be, then you're creating some sort of a deficit, aren't you? So you can look at those things, and then knowing that you're eating, let's say, more fiber, right? So you're eating more salad, more greens, even more fruit, let's say, to satisfy your hunger, but get in the right kind of fiber and sugars, so you're not overeating on other meals when you're too hungry, late at night, raiding right the fridge, sweet tooth, all those kind of things tend to kick in when you're trying to deny yourself what your brain really wants is just to be satisfied. So you can try that kind of an approach, but then again, look at guys, when you are starting off a program or when you are say, let's, let's say you're trying to get more calories burned and you decide you're going to run. Somebody who came to me recently was running a lot and overweight the first thing I had him do, or I told him, let's not run actually right now. Let's start on a, just a walking program every morning. I want to know what your power walk is for 15 minutes. So we're going to turn this into a fitness walking program slash strength training. Because he wasn't exhausting himself so much with his running, he was able to actually get in consistent walking every morning. Some of it was power walking, going, say, hard for 15 minutes or doing some sort of approach there where he had steady state stamina that he was focused on a little bit more because that running really ended up being too high intensity for him. And it was kind of beyond his capabilities at the time to do it effectively, right? And his knees hurt, his back hurt. So there's no courage in defeated mechanics is what Bobby McGee says. And what we want to encourage here is that you're able to do things every day and without defeating your mechanics so that you can get up the next day without your knees hurting, your back hurting, because if you feel better, you'll move more. So he started moving more, not only did he end up losing weight? But when he got into the gym, he was now focused a little bit more on his strength. He felt better. He moved better. His knees didn't hurt. He was able to lift a little bit more weight. He had more intention behind that tension, for example. And he started to really bring that muscle up while he was taking fat off. He lost weight. He looks great. And he didn't have to actually do any running to do it. And he said to me, I thought you were going to have me run more because you're a running coach. And I said, well, it doesn't fit your why. Why would I have you do it if it doesn't fit your why? Exactly. Right? So that's, I think that's the theme to remember here is compared to what is, is probably the, the biggest thing that I could finish with on this part of the conversation is what are you comparing yourself to, right? And why? Because a lot of times I think that it's really hard when you're comparing yourself to something that's unrealistic and it's not even something that you're passionate about. So, you know, starting yourself off with the wrong comparison and just getting outside of your zone of what is positive for you, what is going to produce the kind of relative results that you really want, and how are you going to think about your legacy in the big picture and whether or not you're going to be able to consistently do these things, not just today, 
not just next week, next month, next year, in 10 years. If the answer is I can see myself continuing to do these things, then you're on the right plan. Exactly. We're going to further this discussion. Check out all of Matt, his wife, Aaron, PendolaTraining.com, all their videos, their YouTube channel, his awesome podcast, The Pendola Project. This has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Matt Pendola and myself will continue this conversation shortly, going in to the physical approach after we conclude this mental approach, which, which is just as important in my opinion. Great conversation today, Matt. Thank you very much. Tom, hit that button. Leith Lofton, what you going to do when the money's all gone? Thank you all so much for continuing to support our family of podcasts right here at This Life Ain't For Everybody. I'm Chad Belling from Matt Pandola. Talk to you all soon. Yeah, man. What you going to do when the money's all gone? Say life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone